It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 246, a quantum podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world. And this week's a really big one because we're going to look at some of the main issues that are going on in the world. And I feel for me that I've learned something incredibly new or, or connected some dots is how I would put it. And I hope that what you're going to hear today is really helpful. By the way, I I'm, uh, would suggest, I would ask you if you could review this on Apple Podcasts or whatever, because I think apparently that always helps. But um, just most importantly, I, I want you to think about this. Um, if you are a Christian, to try and understand it from a Christian perspective, and if you're not, I hope you'll see that the answer to the bad news is, if you like, the good news. But we talk about news and sometimes it always seems as though we're bringing up uh, all kinds of bad stuff. I found this from uh, somebody called Gareth Jones. Listen to this. Welcome to the 10 o'clock news. Your headlines tonight. Fear, famine, suffering, injustice and war, destruction, corruption and terror galore. Persecution, poverty, pollution and pain and the NHS is in trouble again. Fragile economy falling apart, cyber attacks and that's just the start. Misery, massacres, murders and more, horrific diseases and nuclear war. Joining me now is Dr. Jeremy King. He's a very clever man who knows about these things. Jeremy, things are at an all-time low. Will it ever improve? No. So there you have it, conclusive proof that the world's gone to pot and we're all in the soup. Best course of action that we can advise is to hide in the cupboard and have a good cry. Now let's go to our field correspondent, Simon Bramham, who's standing at the gates of hell. Are you there, Simon? Can you hear me, Simon? I'm being told we've lost Simon. No, I personally think that's brilliant. Hide in the cupboard and have a good cry. You know, the, the news, it seems so negative, and it seems so negative. We're standing at the gates of hell, and at the end, um, just that bit, may God have mercy on us. Well, in some sense, as we look at stuff, things are worse than we might imagine, even than we fear, even than the news portrays. And yet things are also, there's also real hope, and I hope that you'll, you will see that. Now we're going to look at some of the main issues, the economy, Ukraine, COVID, the woke world. Uh, I was going to say the Sydney show, but I'm going to leave that to uh, next week because we've got so much. But I want to begin with this. This has been on my mind all week. That is, of course, the theme from Schindler's List. It's John Williams. Uh, the film itself is 
and such an incredibly powerful film. And I've been thinking a lot. I've been thinking about Nazis a lot. I've been thinking about how the phrase Nazi is used all the time to describe people with whom we disagree. I've just finished reading Jonathan's Friedland's The Man Who Escaped Auschwitz, which is just an incredible book. And then on Easter Monday, as one does, myself and Annabel went to the Jewish Museum in Sydney, which is an incredibly profound museum, a very powerful museum. You see the history of the Jewish people. You see their history in Australia. And of course, there is a large part devoted to the Holocaust, which is almost unbearable for me to go through, particularly the children's section. And it does remind me, I used to, uh, I haven't done it every year for the past 10 years. I do it about every two years now. Every year I used to sit and watch Schindler's List because it reminded me of why I'm in the ministry and reminded me that the only way to fight the darkness in humanity is to proclaim the light of Christ. And again, if you're not a Christian, you may think that's just an awful thing to say, but it's the truth. As I'm recording this, um, I think I'm going on next to do a radio show on discussing the, the dangers of Nazism today and also the misuse of the term Nazi to describe anyone who goes against the woke agenda. I've been called a, a Nazi many times. I find that so deeply insulting and offensive. In fact, I regard that as hate speech. But another thing that brought that to mind this week was the death of Robert Hebrace. Now, Robert Hebrace is the last survivor of the Orodur sur Glan massacre. On June the 10th, 1944, the inhabitants of the village of Orodur sur Glan near Limoges in southern France uh, were waiting when two German half trucks turned into the main street, and Two hours later, 643 men, women and children, almost the entire population of the village, had been massacred. The bodies lay where they'd been shot. The houses still smouldered. Now, I've been to visit Orador twice because the French government decreed that it should just be left exactly as it was. Obviously, the bodies taken away, but uh, you can you can visit it and it's a very powerful thing to visit. Only six people escaped the slaughter. That is just, it, it was, it's just astonishing. It's, when you read Friedland's book, when you watch Schindler's List, it's the individuals. You know, in Schindler's List, it's the, the little red girl, the little girl, rather, with the red coat, the only piece of colour in the whole film. That's what stands out. And it's those individuals, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. Well, there was another news item that also made me think of this. I learned that war makes murderers, mass murderers, out of otherwise decent people. And it applies to all wars and all nationalities, and I've seen it in all the wars. These are not wild animals who are out for blood. These are patriots who are trying to do their duty to protect either their religion or their nationality or their economic security. These are the three major causes. We have not learned that you cannot kill an ideology with a gun. We still go at it with the same stupid approach of spending all of your assets on building weapons and more weapons to kill more people 
and depriving people of the things they need to eliminate the fears which they have in their life. A man who's desperate because he has no job and has no money. If the money spent on weapons could be spent on eliminating the cause of his discontent, he's not going to risk his life and go out and kill people the way they do today. That was uh, Ben Ferenc, who was just 27 when he was one of the prosecutors from the Nuremberg trials after the Second World War. He died this week, aged 103, in a Florida home. Again, he's a remarkable man. His son said he'd seen and experienced things which were so horrific that they fueled the passion which took him not only through the court at Nuremberg, but fueled really the rest of his life. You know, sometimes we have to fight. Sometimes it's the right thing to do. But we always need to recognize what he says, that we're making all these weapons to kill people and people will use them. So I guess the background to all of what we're looking at today is the Nazis and fascism. So let me go on to Ukraine now. Uh, the UK, there were something I feared has happened. The UK is among a number of countries with military special forces operating inside Ukraine. There has been a leak of documents from the United States, which amongst other things shows the United States spying on its allies, including South Korea and Japan. But also, and these are very damaging, but it also shows that uh, the UK has 50 special forces, Latvia 17, France 15, the US 14. The numbers are small, but that is, it is not a good thing. It is not a good thing. If the Russians needed anything more to think that they were fighting a war against the West, then they've got it. And again, as, as we've said many times on this, the Ukrainian situation is incredibly complex. There was also an article in Unheard, which again I found profoundly disturbing, and that is the rise of private armies who are making a fortune out of these kinds of wars. And whether it's the private armies on the Russian side or the private armies on the Ukraine side. Wars being fought by corporations. That's not going to end well. So again, when you think of Ukraine, you think of the starvation that was caused by Stalin, you think of the slaughter of the Jews that took place in Ukraine, um, you think of the Ukrainian Nazis uh, who, who fought against the Russians or the, the, the Russian communists who did so much harm to the Ukrainians. I mean, it, it's so complex and so difficult and just so heartbreaking. <laughs> Now, what's interesting here is, again, of course, wars are often fought about money. Um, in Friedland's book, he talks about how some Jews from Hungary were able to escape because they bought their way out, um, because they had so much money. Um, very few, very few. M millions were killed, but a few got away. But money is such a powerful motivator in terms of wars and everything else. And there's something very interesting happening. Uh, I'm trying to find out more about this. But the US dollar has basically been the king. It's the default global currency. 
But now what's called BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China and Saudi Arabia. And also now, including uh, other nations like South Africa, are making big moves to reduce their dependence on the dollar. And that will have big impact in the West, especially in America and the UK and Australia, because it's the power of the dollar that allows us to enjoy a massively inflated standard of living. The BRICS nation account for over 40% of the total global population and one-fourth of global GDP. The deputy chairman of Russia's state Duma, Alexander Babakov, said on the 30th of March that these nations were working on developing a new country that will be presented at the organization's upcoming, a new currency rather, that will be presented at the organization's upcoming summit in Durban. And that's the first step. And it's going to be tied not just to the value of gold, but to other groups of products, rare earth elements or soil. Two of the nations, China and Brazil, have just reached a deal to trade in their own currency, not in dollars. The Chinese renminbi is, is, is expanding in terms of its, its global use. Now these are incredibly troubling developments and it's good for us to be aware of them. But, uh, okay, let's... Uh, take a break. Somebody else who died this week is Keith Reed. Who is Keith Reed? Well, you may recognize some of his work in this. whiter shade of pale. Uh, what it actually means, I'm not sure. We skipped the light fandango, turned cartwheels across the floor. Was he talking about a sexual seduction? Was he talking about drugs? An acid trip gone wrong? The room was turning harder as the ceiling flew away? Uh, is it about romance? Or is it a vision of his father as an inmate in Dachau concentration camp? Is it a philosophical polemic? The, the single was based on Bach's suite number three in D major, that's air on a G string, um, and it 
topped the British charts for six weeks. It was number one in Australia for three weeks. It sold six million copies and in 2009 was named the most requested song on British radio stations of the past 75 years. Reed has died. He was an intellectual. He's softly spoken, self-confessed bookworm who was into French art films and the surrealist works of René Magritte and Salvador Dali. Um, he did admit that the starting point of the song was overhearing the band manager tell a woman, you've turned a wider shade of pale. And he did suggest, and again this is back to the Nazi theme, that the dark tone of the song was influenced by his family's experiences in the Holocaust. Uh, A bit of brief news on COVID. I find this quite remarkable. Um, I didn't hear it much reported on, but... Swiss Swiss authorities, I mean, at first I didn't believe it, but it is true. Um, Swiss authorities have stopped recommending COVID-19 vaccination, including for people who are designated at high risk from COVID-19. They have no plans. No COVID-19 vaccinations recommended for spring, summer of this year. Even those who are at high risk. Now, they say this is because nearly everyone in Switzerland has been vaccinated and or contracted and recovered from COVID-19. They actually consider that the current virus variants cause rather mild illness. And they also consider that the vaccines actually may cause more harm. I find it just an extraordinary story. And in other parts of the world, this is happening as well. You know, people always talk about the science. Well, I'm sure the Swiss are following the science, but countries like the US who keep saying to people they should get vaccinated or, on the other hand, in England, booster recommendations for healthy people under 50 have been withdrawn. Um, Denmark stopped vaccinating the under 50s in 2022. There's also a report come out this week, which uh, well, it doesn't suggest it's it's uh, a scientific survey that says masks in hospitals do not stop the spread of COVID. Now, that's our, again, I, I would have thought that was the one place where there was a strong case for using them. But that's what the support says. I'll put a link to it in uh, the notes on, on the website. OK, um. There's always something in the woke world. You're rewriting books. What about this? That's Greece, and Greece is now going to get a woke TV reboot that will have a multicultural, all-female lineup to explore sexual orientation, gender expression, and racial identity. Oh, please, just leave us alone. Leave things alone. They're basically rewriting everything. They're trying to to cancel so much of culture and just rewrite everything in their own ideology. Greece, Rise of the Pink Ladies. Oh, I, th- I think I'll give it a miss, to be honest. Uh, I, they include a non-binary tomboy who struggles to fit in alongside her multicultural bandmates. 
So that brings us on to this. We're coming back to the question of transgender. Now, I've already done some specials on this. And I'm, and the reason I keep doing it is because it has become the religion. Now, I've got a piece I want to share with you. But before, let me just give you some examples of this. In here in Australia, a Queensland parliamentary committee has backed legislation that allows people to change their birth certificate in line with their chosen gender identity. In other words, the Queensland government is allowing people to lie. You can be born male, but you can change your birth certificate to say you were born female. As the University of Queensland professor Patrick Parkinson, a great man by the way, um, who does fantastic work on families, domestic violence, so on, says this, it allows you to essentially choose any gender any gender identity that you like and then say that's how you were born that is a profoundly unscientific sort of law but for some reason that's where nearly all our politicians are meanwhile here in australia uh, a catholic intellectual group has been banned from holding its annual forum at uh, the university in uh, hobart because of their views on transgender issues Apparently, this group claimed that elites are undermining objective truth by teaching in schools that girls can be boys, that boys can be girls, and that grown-ups should be punished for denying it. Well, what that Catholic group is saying is true. But Joanna Rosewell of the Jane Franklin Hall said, We've asked them to find an alternative venue because the ideas expressed in the advertisement do not align with our values. Now, I was not aware that a university would say you can only be here if you align with our, our very limited values. And this is the most amazing thing. This is the standard thing that's used. We work with a diverse number of students, including those from the transgender community. Our first goal at Jane is and must be supporting the well-being of our students. What about those who are detransitioning? What about women? What about those who are being harmed by this ideology? Oh, but no, Ms. Roswell, she has to fit in with her fellow elitists. And in Australia as well, we had an astonishing thing. Um, somebody called Denny Todorovic was on Q&A and um, arguing with uh, a liberal Victorian party president, Greg Miller, but Mirabella over Moira Deeming, uh, an MP. He said that um, her, you know, she was suspended from the party because she went to Kelly J. Keene's Let Women Speak rally and Todorovic said Deeming got off way too easily. Uh, she should have been expelled. And then he said this in such a camp voice as well. Stay in bed and watch Rage Doll like seriously stay at home. Stay at home, doll. This is the kind of misogyny that's coming in. Deeming is a woman, an established politician and a mother of four. Stay at home, doll. She's not a doll. Why do they think they can get away with all of this? I'll tell you why. Because it's a cult that's captivated the minds, such as they are, of our cultural and secular elites. You know, even at the Jewish Museum, I was there and there was a section which implied, in fact, it did more than imply. It more or less stated that if you don't support SSM, same-sex marriage, you're the same as the Nazis. Where has all this come from? Well, it's come primarily from America. But... How's it taken hold so much? There is a wonderful uh, interview with a feminist called Jennifer Billick. And I want you to listen to this part of it. And then from then on, it was just like a chant over and over and over and over and over again. You heard transgender, 
transgender rights, transgender rights are human rights, trans rights are human rights. These huge NGOs, these um, very huge, powerful uh, non-governmental organizations serving the LGB community worked hand in hand with international law firms like Hogan Lovell and Denton's and Reuters Next Law and Open Society Foundation lawyers um, to create, to start to create legal guides for transgender children. So they're being, they're, they start to build this edifice of transgender children to drive this narrative, you know, that you can be born in the wrong body. And so we heard all these you know, initial stories about these poor children born in the wrong bodies, right? Which is now, you know, a decade later has morphed into just express yourself, right? You can be male, you can be female, you can be non-binary, you can, you know, have both your genitalias. And this is all about self-expression now. So it's really morphed in the course of 10 years into the right to augment yourself in whatever way you see fit. Now, what she argues, and I, I, this is this is the enlightening bit for me. I hadn't thought about the link with transhumanism, but it's absolutely there. What she argues is that big finance and the corporations make a lot of money out of this. Big farmer make a lot of money out of this because their idea is to divorce the the human being from the body, so that the body just becomes parts that you can manipulate and abuse and sell. And the, the mind is something that you can muck around with. That's why in all these universities that are funded by big corporations, this woke thing just carries on. And, and she goes on to say this. Listen to this. Um, so this isn't just some ideological thing going around of female erasure. This is actually happening. And you have to ask the question, well, why is this happening? Why would they do that? And when you follow the money, like I do, you find the answers. It's all going to the, to the tech sector, to the, you know, they want, um, they want to take over uh, human reproduction uh, with technology. It's absolute madness out there. You can't say, you can't talk about reality without bringing the law down upon you. Women are being arrested, arrested, legally arrested for saying that, you know, men can't be women. So where it's going? You know, the money points to, you know, them sort of overlaying a virtual reality over the natural world and subjugating the natural world. All the big techie guys, they're all talking about it. They don't hide it. Metaverse for Zuckerberg, Singularity for Ray Kurzweil, who's also mentored Martin Rothblatt. Um, he says we're, you know, in, in very short order, we're going to be living as a different species. We're going to be post-human. You can't talk about reality. The ultimate goal of this is to get us to live as a different species so that we live in a virtual reality. This is the Tower of Babel. This is we shall be gods. And she points out later on, kids are being traumatized sexually. People are, when you experience something violent, when, for me, for example, when I went into the children's section of the Jewish Museum, I was traumatized. And I sat down and I couldn't move. And what's happening with our children with this is they are being traumatized. They are being groomed. They are being abused. People are frozen in terms of responding to this. And she is right. We need to call this out as evil. She says it's absolute madness and we should all be saying so. 
He says, no one examines the issue. This is a top-down arrangement of power. There's a profiteering motive, the drugs and the surgery. It's a consumerist ideology where they are consuming us. We don't know where we come from or who we are. He talks, she talks about the men who have fetishes, and this is filling up an empty hole that the God-shaped hole, I would call it, has, has caused. People are having their biology deconstructed. It is a new religion. Another feminist, Catherine Deves, put this on her Twitter feed, and I do want you to hear this because it, it's, it explains it brilliantly. Y'all really want to try to say there aren't trans kids? Let me tell you what there aren't. There aren't cis kids. Okay, you telling your child, oh, you're a boy, you're a girl. This is a child. This is a free spirit that has not learned any of that bullshit until you force it on them. So cisness is the wound. Cisness is the delusion. Cisness is the lie. Cisness is the place of pain. Transness is the healing. Transness is the growth. Transness is the truth. Transness is what we actually are. We are fluid. We are 70% water. We are God. God is change. God is trans. We are trans. You are forcing your kids to be boys and girls. We're saying, be whatever you are, baby. Be free. Be water. Be light. Be sky. Be God. Because guess what? That's what we actually are. What we actually are is trans, is change, is love. Transness is the truth. Being male and female is not the truth. Transness is the truth because we are God. We are God. God is change. Be whatever you are, baby. The wealthy, the powerful, those who are advocating somehow that they can bring eternal life through transhumanism. They are the ones who are pushing this ideology. They and, and they are the ones who are abusing. And you know the irony here is coming back to the fascism thing. They, they, they accuse those of us who oppose this as being fascists. But I'll tell you this, Hitler and the Nazis wanted a brave new world as well, full of genetically perfect people. All right, uh, not going to leave it there. Um, let me just say something about the church. I always try and say something. Sad thing that Sunday church attendance in the Church of England has not recovered since the COVID pandemic. For the first time in its history, more than a quarter of Anglican churches in England no longer hold a service every week. Wow. And yet here in Australia on Good Friday, I, I'm so amazed at this. I have not been used to celebrating Good Friday and we went to church on Good Friday. It was absolutely packed. And I've heard similar reports from churches throughout Australia. And I, I read what Greg Sheridan writes in The Australian. We should remember what Christians believe about Easter. They believe Jesus, the Son of God, rose from the dead and lived among his disciples in his physical form. He says... Sheridan goes, this isn't a fringe belief, but a central teaching. The best chance for Christianity to grow again in the West is not to hide, but to proclaim its radically weird teachings. Western culture is now determinedly anti-Christian, and with this trans revolution, it's going to be even more so. We can no longer manage Christianity, says Sheridan, on a business-as-usual basis, balancing the books, administering well, and expecting the culture to respect your institutions that teach transcendent truth. No. We have to proclaim the gospel. So I'm going to leave you there. I'm going to leave you with this piece of music. Uh, I usually play a, a Christian song, but I, this is just so beautiful. Um, in the, I'm going through the uh, Classic FM Hall of Fame. The top 300 is voted by 
pieces of classical music as voted by their listeners. Um, I already know what number one is. It's this piece of music that you hear, Rachmaninoff's Second Movement, finished writing in 1901. It's the second movement of his piano concerto. Um, it's, it's just an astonishingly beautiful piece of music. And he wrote it after a period of particularly troubling mental health. He dedicated the piece to the neurologist Nikolai Dahl as thanks for his treatment. Human beings, you know, you go to the Jewish Museum in Sydney or go to Auschwitz, I've been there, go to Oradur, and you can see the evil that human beings do. But also, even in those dark situations, you can see the extraordinary beauty that comes from us being made in the image of God. And we have this extraordinary creativity. As I said, I was at the Sydney show, and I may say more about that next week. Um, but it's a creativity and the beauty that God has given. We need humanity not to become transhuman. We need humanity to be completely restored. And I thought, uh, as we listened to this, I'm not going to, we won't play the whole piece of music, but I thought this was lovely from Revelation. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, a clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Yeah, no evil in heaven, no cruelty, no viciousness, no ugliness. Thank you for listening. Let me know any comments. Please feel free to uh, go onto the website, www.theweeflee.com. Feel free to support us through the Podbean fundraiser. Details will be there. Thanks to Peter for producing this. Uh, please feel free to keep sending me in stuff, as many of you do. I'm sorry I can't use it all, but God bless you. And uh, may you know the beauty and the love and the light of Christ, no matter how deep the darkness. Bye.